if this is to be the end for the Pac-12, may it be a glorious and wonderful ending, and may the spirit of John Wooden himself empower these teams onto future greatness. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. Two weeks from today is the kickoff of the season. Hard to believe. We are your hosts. That's the guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. It is so good to be here with you every dayers. Welcome in. If you're a guest hopping in because you're a Pac-12 fan or because you're just excited for the season to be back, we're so glad you're here as well. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Coming up on the show today, we're continuing. Honestly, it's our final week, actually, of conference previews. We have done 28 of the 32. We'll round it off this week. We've got Pac-12 today, and then this week we've also got Mountain West, A-10, and SWAC, I think, is the other one that will come at you with. Hard to believe. Very sad that it's not the Big Ten preview today, so we can make fun of McKenzie and Baco and Taco Bell, and apparently he's a Hebrew a Hebrew, a hero in Bloomington, Indiana right now, because it's a terribly run Taco Bell. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up right now. Andy, biggest storylines with the Pac-12, no other place to start than the impending doom of this conference. Regardless of anything that happens on the court this season, this cloud is hanging over everything that happens. So the question, Andy, that we want to ask to get going is this the last Pac-12 preview we'll ever do? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. I mean, the obvious answer is yes, in the sense that if the Pac-12 remains in name, it will only be in name. Uh, <laughs> the two schools, of course, Oregon State and Washington State, could, in theory, uh, do a reverse merger with the Mountain West Conference, bring in all of the Mountain West schools, which would be a solid basketball conference. I mean, frankly, Oregon State and Washington State would not be towards the top of that conference. Oregon State in particular has not been very good in the last couple of years outside of that shocking Elite Eight run. But if they hey, were- Wayne Tinkle got paid, Bo. Yeah, he got he got his bag out of that, absolutely. And now we'll see how much longer he holds onto that bag. But, uh, you know, if you get San Diego State in, Boise State in, uh, there's a lot of really good basketball teams in the Mountain West. But if that stays and if that remains as the Pac-12, in theory, you and I may be doing future Pac-12 conference previews, but it is very clear that the identity, the history, the kind of essence of what has been the Pac-12 for over 100 years, what has been the Oregon and Washington rivalry, the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry, uh, you know, Stanford-Cal, USC, UCLA, all these tremendous rivalries, of course, primarily in football, but in basketball as well, are are gone. There's no, I mean, they're gone. And it's going to be really hard as somebody from the Pacific Northwest who has grown up watching Pac-12 football, grew up an Oregon Ducks fan before I started school at Gonzaga. Like I've been kind of immersed in Pac-12 culture for my entire sports life. And it's very 
odd to be watching it end. It was odd when Colorado and Utah came into the conference. It's even more strange now seeing what's happening to it and seeing these schools where I have close friends who've gone to school at Oregon State and Washington, close friends who've worked there and are kind of having to fight for their livelihood. It's a it's a, a complicated story. It's a, a, a frustrating story. And for men's basketball, as we get closer to the season, you know, we saw at the conference previews or at the um, uh, the conference meetings, like this is what the coaches were asked about. You know, it's like you said, it is a cloud hanging over this conference. And as much as these coaches want to just focus on the season and they're, they're not, you know, Tommy Lloyd's not focused on the Big 12 yet. He's focused on the Pac-12 this year, but it's impossible to not acknowledge that being the biggest story about this conference, just like it has been throughout this football season for them as well. It's funny, you were joking about the rivalry. You're not joking, very seriously talking about the rivalries that will be gone. It's funny, some of them will stay just in other conferences. Yeah, that's like, true, yeah. USC and UCLA, we still yeah, get Yeah, that. Oregon, Washington too, yeah. Yeah, it's just weird though, mm-hmm. right? Like, what a classic uh, Big Ten matchup. You know, right. know it's, it's crazy. But um, I would. I love how uh, Pac-12 football is like having a renaissance this mm-hmm. year. And I, I really, you know, I joked about the, the spirit of John Wooden off the top, mm-hmm. but legitimately it'd be fun to see just a Pac-12 renaissance yeah. kind of go out with a bang this year and uh, I mean they're they're ranked fifth uh, by Ken Palm preseason um, in terms of the conference so we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with it Andy the next big storyline and it's not because of this person's ability but because of his last name the big question is will Bronny James play mm-hmm. for USC this year again I, I said it but He's he's not the best player for USC. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, not not probably he's not top three, top four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but certainly the most renowned yeah. on their roster, just simply because of who he is, and that makes it a massive storyline. That mm-hmm. is, you know, for us, yes, whatever, cool, fine. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to bring a lot of randos to college basketball this year, and I'm great with that. But that's going to be what they want to talk about. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, it it is a storyline in terms of how it affects USC because he is a good basketball player. It is not, you know, USC's season is not dependent on Bronny James the way that it is dependent on Boogie Ellis or the way that it is dependent on their other freshman guard, Isaiah Collier. But Bronny is somebody who was going to be a really good third guard for this team, depending on his playing situation. We just don't know at this point when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back. The expectation is that he is going to attempt to return in time to play at some point this year. But up to this point, it's just it's hard to know it, what's going to happen with that. I, I'm excited. I, I'm sad that this is a situation that is going to not lead to Bronny being able to play in you know the first game of the season against Kansas State, especially since USC Kansas State's one of the only really good games on the first day of the season, and this kind of dampens that a little bit. But I really want to see what Bronny can do. I want to see what he's capable of. I want to see you know how his skills translate at the collegiate level, and I think he's a pretty good fit at USC because he has a little bit less pressure on him because of Collier, because of Ellis. And I'm, I'm sad that there's a, a reality where he plays very little or even not at all this year, but it also could lead to him not being a one and done, which had been the expectation because of his desire or his, the desire of his family to play together. LeBron has made it very clear. He wants to play with his son, but if Bronny only plays 15 games this year or 10 games this year, it seems very plausible that he would come back to USC next year. And and in that case, he would have more pressure on him because if I'm not mistaken, Boogie Ellis is out of eligibility after this year. Yeah. This is your five for Boogie. Collier's almost certainly a one and done. So all of a sudden there's a reality where Bronny comes back as the lead guard for USC this next year and and sign me up for that. That sounds kind of fun. Well, and you know, sometimes there's those situations like I'm trying to like Shaden Sharp, I feel like Mm -hmm. is a recent example of this where, 
could have played, decided not to, and that mystique, you just want to hold it so your warts aren't exposed, and then you go to the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Bronny's stock is high enough where he could yeah. follow that trajectory, and therefore I think your point is great, Andy, that he would have to come back for a second year in that scenario. So we'll keep our eyes on And obviously at the end of the day, this is about this young man and sure. his health, as we've said all along, and that continues to be the story. No point in him being on the court if it's going to be any sort of risk to his health. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would love to see him out there, not not because of his name or who he is, but because he's a human that's mm-hmm. capable of playing basketball at the highest levels of collegiate athletics, and we want to see that for him. All right, mm-hmm. now uh, let's get into some coaching things. The only coaching change is maybe the most intriguing coaching mm-hmm. change in the land, Andy. Yeah. Mark? The Mad Dog Madsen is not at Stanford. He's at Cal. It's the wrong Bay Area school because Stanford doesn't know how to let go of Coach Jared Haas. <laughs> Andy, this, this is a potential dumpster fire, and here's why for me. What if he absolutely kills it at Cal mm-hmm. and they beat the doors off of Stanford? I don't think that will happen, but mm-hmm. like, what if that scenario happens? Mm-hmm. Or you know, like, there's just all sorts of weirdness in hiring uh, an alum of your rival at like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, but I love the intrigue of it. And it's mm-hmm. a great storyline. It's, it's re- really strange to me. I mean, Jared Haas hasn't, he's recruited well, but he hasn't done a lot with the talent that he's brought in at Stanford. Cal obviously needed to make a change. Mark Fox was not getting it done. No. The golden bears hire Mark Madsen, uh, you know, a former Stanford alum legend uh, of the Cardinal. And, and, and I think what was really baffling to me is you had to know that not only are you getting Mark Madsen, but you have the ability to land premier transfers with Mark Madsen, namely Fardaz Amak, who mm. it seemed very clear if Madsen got a head coaching job that he was going to probably get Amak, who was unhappy in his one year at Texas Tech, to transfer with him. And that is what happened. Stanford could have made this work. Now, Madsen got some other great guys as well. Jalen Cohn from Northern Arizona is a really talented young player. They got some other transfers as well. And I think I think things are going to go better for Cal. It's hard for them to go worse. But it was it felt like a missed opportunity for Stanford. And if they... If, if Haas gets fired after this year or doesn't last more than another couple of years and doesn't flip the script with this team, I think there's going to be a lot of people wondering what could have happened if they had made the decision to bring in Mark Madsen, an alum, a coach who had a ton of success at Utah Valley. It felt like a slam dunk call that they missed. And I, I think there's a really strong chance that this eventually bites them uh, in the behind because it, it, it feels like a missed opportunity. But Isaac... There's a lot of other really intriguing things going on in the Pac-12, and among them is UCLA. The Bruins lost a ton of talent from last year's team. Just about everybody is out the door, but they bring in a really intriguing transfer or a really intriguing freshman class of a lot of international players. we got to figure out if Mick Mick Cronin is going to find a way to keep the Bruins at the top, and we're going to talk about that after a word from today's sponsor, Athletic Brewing. Folks, now... It's time for your game changer of the week at Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets' final preseason tune-up before they defend their NBA championship, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They are full of flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. And seriously, guys, Jokic had 25 points, 14 boards, and 8 assists. He did that in under 30 minutes for the Nuggets. This man is ready for the NBA season, and he's ready to defend that crown for the Denver Nuggets. Folks, you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. 
Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Well, folks, like we said, college football season, we are right in the middle of it, and the Pac-12 is having their renaissance, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, airing each Friday from 11 to noon Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. Check them out, every Locked On College YouTube channel from 11 to noon. You are not going to want to miss this. Isaac, we are going to get back into, instead of doing tiers like we have done with a lot of other conferences, because this is the last year of this iteration of the Pac-12, we're going to give them the 1 through 12 treatment. <laughs> we got our official preseason media poll from the, the media folks. We got our own iteration of the preseason poll. And I know, Isaac, you wrote this out, and I would love to hear your 1 through 12, and I'll tell you where where I think you're wrong, where maybe I think you're right, but mostly I'm going to tell you where I think you're wrong. That's honest. I would have it no other way, Andy, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Uh, we do have two Pac-12 schools ranked in the AP Mm -hmm. uh, preseason poll, Arizona 12, USC 21, and then Colorado and UCLA and the others receiving votes. I say that because, Andy, that that was my top four mm -hmm. as well. I feel like there's a clear cut after the top four, but I think there's also a cut in between these two. I've really re – I don't know about you. I have gone back and forth on Arizona and USC so much this offseason. So right now, today, I have Arizona 1, USC 2. Literally, at the end of last week, I had it the other way around and flipped it this weekend. Um, and then I have I have Colorado 3 and UCLA 4. A lot of that for me is the uncertainty that you spoke of. I think these international prospects for, for UCLA are going to be really good, but I need to see it. And with Colorado, we've already seen it with some of these guys like Tristan De Silva. And so I have them narrowly ahead of UCLA. But that's my top four. So I'll pause there and let you react to that. Yeah, I, the only thing I would flip is is UCLA and Colorado. I have Arizona one. I have USC two. I think I, I'm not as split on Arizona and U, USC. I have Arizona ahead of USC, and I haven't really okay. changed my mind too much on that. Although I do think they're fairly close. But for me, it's kind of the same thing we've talked about a handful of times of like trying not to value teams that have continuity if that team wasn't super good the year before. And Colorado was one of the weirdest teams in college basketball last year. They beat Tennessee. They lose to some really crappy teams. They were all over the place in conference play. Now, they not only return most of their key pieces like KJ Simpson, like Tristan De Silva, they also add a potential top 10 freshman in the entire country in Cody Williams, the yeah. almost certainly uh, freshman of the year were it not for Isaiah Collier at USC. They also add Eddie Lampkin from TCU, which is an addition that I really, really like for them. So perhaps it's a little unfair to be punishing them for, for returning mostly a team that was kind of mediocre last year because they also made some solid additions. But for me, UCLA, I love the fact that Adembona is back. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I really like some of the young players that they are bringing in. A lot of international flavor. Uh, Ademara, I think, has the potential to be absolutely fantastic, depending on what role he ends up getting. Lazar Stefanovic is kind of a... a unassuming transfer addition from Utah, but I think he fits what they're trying to do uh, in Mick Cronin's offense really well. Sebastian Mack, like this is a good young team and, and maybe it'll take them some time, but I really trust Mick Cronin to get this team rolling. Uh, the difference between Colorado and UCLA to me is razor thin, but I'm going to lean with the team that that has proven a lot more success recently, even if this roster is more overhauled uh, for Mick Cronin and the Bruins. Yeah, really interested to see. I mean, Tiger Campbell was just mm -hmm. that engine, that captain, uh, mm -hmm. how, how that goes. Because I don't know if you know this, Andy, but a Dembona probably can't do much for himself unless yeah. somebody gives it to him. No, somebody needs to get him the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Oregon at five. Like That's my most probably like solid like one team in one slot. 
And then after that, there's this grouping of teams that I could flip on its head and feel the same way about. Um, but I have it this way. Arizona, Utah 6, Arizona State 7, Stanford 8, Washington 9, and Wazoo 10. I have mm. another cut there. Mm. And then Cal and Oregon State in yeah. the cellar by themselves at 11 and 12. I honestly don't have any issues here. I, I think I, I might flip Arizona State and Utah, but part of that mm. depends on whether Adam Miller gets a waiver. I'm sus- suspecting he's not going to. How quickly can they get Jose Perez, who they just landed from West Virginia? That saga was a very, very long-standing saga that has finally ended with him playing for Bobby Hurley. If he can kind of get up to speed, he could be a really nice addition for them. But honestly, that's about it. Maybe Arizona State at six and then Utah at seven, but Stanford, Washington, Washington State all feels about right. I think there's, like you said, you could flip this this almost entirely, these this group of five, and I think it's very possible that that would be the reality because I think all these teams are going to be really bunched together. But I like the way that this is ordered. And, and I would shout out, Cal, that I think it's possible that they're outside of the actual seller here. I think it's it's possible that they finish like 10th. I, I don't know if they're going <laughs> to climb that much higher than that. I really do think Mark Madsen's a good coach, but mm-hmm. there's a big spread between those eight, nine, and 10 teams and where Cal and Oregon State were last year. And I'm not sure, even with a new coach with some new talent, if Cal can quite move the needle all the way uh, into that top 10 conversation. But AMAC is a dude. Yes. Now, Andy, here's the thing about the depth of this conference. Like we look at the Big 12, and I think all. 14 schools are in like the top 75 or something at Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. The SEC, same thing. It's like all 14 schools are like top 82. Here's the thing with the Pac-12. The top 10 are all top 84 at Ken Palm, but then Cal is 146. Oregon State's 175. Oregon State, that's the lowest power six school in Ken Palm. And the Mm -hmm. only two lower than Cal are Georgetown and Notre Dame. So that's what kind of really drags them down to fifth overall so um we've got that like i think when we look at favorites it's pretty clear like it's going to be one of those top four unless just something wild happens and and really even the top two Um, but i think arizona usc colorado ucla those are the schools you're looking at but andy this weekend as i was looking at washington's roster i had like this little is there some dark horseness to them (laughs) moment uh severe wheeler coming over from kentucky paul mulcahy from rutgers both transfer in between them. They combined for 10 and a half assists a game last year. Moses Wood at Port coming over from Portland was really good last year. I remember watching him play Um, in like good positional size, good shooting for position shot 40% from three. He's a six, eight forward. And then you add in key. I mean, not add in, but add in Mm -hmm. those guys with Keon Brooks and, and their starting lineup is four grads and a senior. So there's experience, there's some talent. Andy, do the pieces fit? Could could Washington do something to maybe help Mike Hopkins save his job? Yeah, you know, I, the, I'm glad you phrased it the way you did because the pieces fitting is the question that I have. This is a team that is like to run a zone defense. It's a team that runs an offense that doesn't, really have a lot of direction. They play a a very kind of free flowing offensive style without a lot of structure. And while I think having good distributors, good facilitators like Seville Wheeler, like Paul Mulcahy helps with that. I'm also not sure how it's going to work. Are both those guys going to be trying to distribute the ball too much? Are guy, is it going to? Oh, are they going to have enough actual? Yeah, you're going to have enough floor spacing. Moses Wood is great uh, as a floor spacer, but is that if that's all he's asked to do? Like, who's going to be the scorer down low? Like, they have they have some guys, they have some talent on this roster. Don't get me wrong, uh, and I, I do like the pieces kind of on their own. 
but I'm not 100% sold on how they fit together. And if I was more confident in Coach Hopkins as a coach, I think I would feel like, okay, well, he's going to figure out how to make this work. It's kind of like with UCLA. Some of the pieces, I'm not sure how they fit. I'm not like sure Brown. how they're going to figure out what to start in the front court with Bona and Mara and the uh, freshman coming over from Turkey. And, and I, I, But I'm like, Mick Cronin's going to figure that out. With UW, I'm like, I don't know if Mike Hopkins is going to put the pieces in the right spot, if he's going to do what needs to be done. And if he doesn't, there's a real chance that this is the final year he coaches on Montlake. But right now, I think this is a, a talented roster that I'm not 100% sure the direction uh, is, is going to get them where they're capable of being. Because newsflash, Coach Hopkins, Syracuse ain't running that zone no. anymore now that yeah, Coach Hopkins is taking over. So maybe you should give up on it as well. Andy, let's give our conference champs, and then we'll keep on moving. Regular season and conference tournament, who you going with? You splitting it up, or you got the same team for both? No, give me Tommy Lloyd in Arizona for both. To be honest, I, I love this team. Uh, I think there was some concern about this roster early on in the offseason. Um, but with Umar Balo coming back, with Pella Larson coming back, with the the additions in that backcourt, I mean, I think Keelan Boswell is going to have a great kind of breakout season. Caleb Love, you know, has had his ups and downs. He has his warts. There's no question about that. I like the fit in a Tommy Lloyd offense. Jaden Bradley potentially coming off the bench could be really good. Like I like Kashad Johnson, the transfer from San Diego State. Like I really like the pieces. I really trust Tommy Lloyd. And I think this team's going to win the regular season. And I think they're going to win the conference tournament too. The only difference I have is I actually had USC winning the conference tournament. I love the backcourt of Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier. And let's, I don't think we've even talked about Kobe Johnson yet. Yeah, like, true. Um, starting three. And then who knows if Bronny's ready to go by then. Mm -hmm. And uh, we look at things and we talk all the time about how guards can do stuff in, uh, in March. And, you know, they're, I, I do really love the Arizona backcourt, but <clears throat> there's the uncertain. Like, what if Caleb Love is going through one of his cold spells? Yeah. A three games stretch on a weekend, that can knock you out. So uh, I'm just kind of looking at that kind of thing. So, Andy, it's time for our Pac 12 preseason awards and NCAA tournament predictions. And, folks, here's our solemn vow to you we will not, as the Pac 12 does, have 87 dudes on our first team. <laughs> We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks, which offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Oh, man, I'm going to have some nachos after we hit stop. <laughs> uh, each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% off to provide you even more value. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. And PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that injury insurance. And seriously, this thing is so crazy easy to do. You just pick two or more players. You look at the projected stat and you choose more or less, which you think they'll do across any sport, any game. It doesn't matter. So, for example, on Tuesday, I was looking ahead. NBA kicks off tomorrow. Austin Reeves, his points is set at 15 and a half. You know what this dude can do out in L.A. Give me the more on that. I'm taking it. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Andy, I joke, but really, Pac 12 has 10 dudes on their first team preseason and five on the second team. Just spread that thing out to three teams, man. It ain't that tough to do. Andy, give me your first team with only five people on it. Only five. I think I can handle that. 
Yeah, I'm going with uh, – I, I went five different players on five different teams. I, I know that that's a rule that oh. you've generally had throughout this. Um, I haven't you. always followed that rule, but I did uh, in this situation. So give me Boogie Ellis from USC. Again, average about 18 points per game last year. Fantastic talent. Uh, give me KJ Simpson from Colorado. I think it could have been either him or Tristan De Silva, but I, I like what Simpson's been able to do. I think he's going to have a big year for Coach Tad Boyle. Give me Brandon Carlson at Utah. He's been consistently excellent for the last couple of years. I'm not sure I, I'm really a buyer in the Utes quite yet, but I definitely am a buyer in Brandon Carlson and what he's capable of. Then give me a couple more bigs as well. Give me a Dembona. Again, I think he's a real breakout candidate, about eight points per game last year and about 22 minutes per night. I think with a bigger role, he's going to be a rim protector. He's going to be a really good scorer. I think he's going to do a lot of good things for the Bruins. And then give me Umar Balo, a guy who, you know, it was between him and Nefali Dante at Oregon, two kind of veteran bruisers, low post scorers. But Balo, I think, is going to be on the better team for Arizona. He's really proven that he's capable of being a not only a, a all big or all Pac-12 caliber player, but potentially like all-American caliber center as well. So that's my top five right there. All right, Andy, we matched up this time on three of them. I love you taking on my uh, one player from each team <laughs> mantra. Uh, uh, and so we were the same on Umar Balo, Boogie Ellis, and Brandon Carlson. Uh, love all these dudes. Interestingly enough, all three of them are fifth-year players. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, with who would have, with Balo, right, he yeah. actually – this is his fourth year playing. He redshirted at, uh, at Gonzaga his first year. Yeah. And then the two others that I have are two guys that you actually mentioned, mm-hmm. Vale Dante from Oregon. What do you know? Two dudes from Mali yeah. on the same list. He mm-hmm. and Umar Balo, pretty crazy stuff there. Mm-hmm. 6'11 center, another fifth year dude. Mm-hmm. 13.4 points last year at Oregon, 8.4 rebounds per game. He could get up to averaging a double-double. 61.4% from the field. I'd love to see it. And then I did go for my fifth one with Tristan De Silva instead of KJ Simpson from Colorado. Uh, De Silva's the baby of my group, Andy. He's <laughs> he's a senior instead of a fifth year. Six uh, eight forward, fifteen point nine points last year, four point eight rebounds, filling it up just shy of forty percent from three on just shy of four attempts per game. I want to see that come up even more this year. It's a great number, but I want to see even more of it. And uh, a couple guys that didn't make it that could have Keon Brooks, Spencer Jones. I w- obviously, we wouldn't be surprised to see Isaiah Collier mm-hmm. pop onto this list. And with the Pac-12 doing 49 dudes on the postseason <laughs> list, I'm sure we'll see that. Andy, out of your top five, who did you pick for your player of the year? Yeah, give me Ellis. You know, I think there's obviously some question of how much what his role might look like with Isaiah Collier into the mix. Obviously, Collier's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. But I think that the the matchups that are going to be created with other teams having to guard both Ellis and Collier might create a situation where Ellis can be even more efficient. Is he going to score 18 a game like he did last year? Maybe it drops a bit. I wouldn't be shocked if it's down a little bit just because of Collier's presence, but he might be more efficient. Uh, And I think USC is going to be in that conversation. Like realistically, I I picked Arizona. I'm sticking with Arizona. But if USC finishes second and Boogie Ellis is the leading scorer on that team, improves his efficiency, like hits some big shots, I think there's a real chance that he's the one who takes home this award, even if his numbers maybe don't look dramatically better than what he put up last year. And I think that ultimately would make USC a better team Mm -hmm. if it's Ellis that with his experience is the lead. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's for that reason, what you talked about, um, that I'm going with Umar Balo, just that presence of Collier, excuse me. But your argument makes a ton of sense to me as well. But I am going with Balo. All that presence in the backcourt for Arizona, I think, takes some uh, attention off of him and allows him to just go bonkers this year in the desert. Andy, you've had all the Arizona love. Is Mm -hmm. Tommy Lloyd your coach of the year? 
Yeah, I'm st- I'm going with Tommy Lloyd, and I know he already won Pac-12 Coach of the Year in the 21-22 season, so maybe he's not going to take it back again in a second year. But to me, uh, I like this Arizona team a lot. I thought their offseason really put good pieces around that foundational core they have with Balo uh, and with Larson and some of those other guys. I-, I think this was a really solid offseason. I know you don't win Coach of the Year based on your offseason <laughs> moves, but I think that Having a, a bruiser like Kashad Johnson alongside Balo, having that guard presence with Bradley and Love, having a potential breakout from Boswell, which I think most people are kind of expecting. I think Arizona is going to win the conference, and I think they're going to win the conference convincingly enough that Tommy Lloyd's going to take home this award. Even if other coaches do some really good things, I think there's some nice potential for some of the other coaches uh, to make some good strides with some of their programs. And I, I think that could be a, in consideration, but I really like what Tommy's got here. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to take this, this award for his second time in three years as the head coach in the PAC 12. I'm going with Tad Boyle from Colorado, all that great experience on the national stage this summer, all of these guys he's bringing in, if they can find the consistency and do end up third, maybe even pop into second, I think they get it. The other thing is if we've talked about it a lot in this show, but if Mick Cronin can bring together this mm-hmm. roster and elevate them to second or third in the conference, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get it as well. Andy, we've talked about a lot of transfers already. There's some great talent transferring into the Pac-12. Who's your transfer of the year? Yeah, I'm sticking with the Arizona train. I'm going with Caleb Love. Uh, again, I think Caleb Love is, he has his ups and downs. He has his warts, like we said. Uh, I don't think he's magically going to become a super high efficient scorer. That's not in really in his bag, but he's going to put up a lot of points for a really good team. And I think that's honestly going to be enough for him to win transfer of the year. I leaned uh, towards Eddie Lampkin for a while because I know mm-hmm. we both really like him. I yeah. ended up going with Fardaz Amak, though, mm-hmm. at Cal, uh, just because I think they're going to have to lean on him yeah. so heavy. 11 1, 7 9 points and rebounds at Texas Tech last year. The year before that at Utah Valley, 18.9, 13.6 boards. Mm-hmm. Andy, he could do that again. Uh, um, Oscar Shibway is gone from college basketball. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see AMAC as your national rebound leader. And mm-hmm. so he's my pick for transfer of the year. Andy, freshman of the year. I don't think there's any reason for us to have a conversation about it. Other than it's Isaiah Collier at USC, right? Now, yep. as you said, though, got to watch out for Cody Williams at Colorado as well. Yep. Uh, and I like a Damara at UCLA. There's a couple other good players, but no, it's Collier and it's not close. Yep. All right. Last thing to get us out of here, our, our way we wrap this up. How many teams is the Pac-12 getting in the NCAA tournament? I've set the over-under for us at 5.5. Yeah, this is, I think, the first time I've been more than a, an entire t- uh, team away from the over-under that you said. Uh, I'm going with four, and uh, I know I talked up a lot about the Pac-12 early in the show and my feelings about it, so I'm <laughs> I'm afraid I may have lost some fans here about 30 minutes into the show, but uh, Arizona, UCLA, Colorado, and USC, I got all four of them in. For me, the, the close ones are Oregon, Arizona State. Uh, although I think that they are going to have their work cut out for them. That team lost a lot of talent from a team that barely made the big dance last year. Again, maybe teams like Utah or Washington could maybe have big enough runs to potentially sneak in. But honestly, I'm not a huge believer in this Ducks roster. It's got some talent on it. It's got some young talent on it, but I just, I'm not sure I see it with them. And so for me, I'm going with four, which would be, certainly would not be the Pac-12 having this really strong end in their final season if they only get four teams in the big dance. Shucks. I did put Oregon in, but I'm still hitting the under as well at five total teams. I'm with you. You could see like if Carlson has a great year, maybe Utah sneaks in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- but those top four, I feel very good about those four teams making it into the dance. 
Well, Isaac, we are rounding up these conference previews so close to being done. We got the Mountain West, we got the A10, we got a couple more conferences, the SWAC, uh, and then we're done. And then we're getting into some other fun stuff. We got our bold predictions. We got you know teams that we think could win it all, all sorts of good stuff coming your way the week before. And then boom, then we're there. Then we get to watch Boogie Ellis in his first game against Kansas State. We get to watch the defending champion UConn Huskies take on Northern Arizona. We got some really fun games, some not-so-fun games on the first day of the season. But, folks, it is just under two weeks away, and I am so excited for these opportunities to finally start talking about real basketball games. And, you know, we'll sneak some secret scrimmage talk in there as well over the next couple of weeks. But, folks, thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. We appreciate every single one of you. I'll be back later this week with more conference previews. Until then, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And, of course, peace out.